Welcome to the Alpha Female Podcast with me, your host, Robin Baldwin. This show is to inspire you to embrace living like an alpha female. But what is an alpha female? An alpha female is a powerful and assertive woman. Her confidence is due to being an intelligent and intellectual problem solver. She chooses ambition and is proud of it, but strives for a happy and healthy work-life harmony. An alpha female is the brightest star in her constellation and shines when she stays true to her authentic self. She puts herself first so that she can have more energy for those around her. She sticks to her priorities, is never complacent about striving for better, and nurtures relationships with all the people in her life. So let's get started. Contest alert. I have a new book giveaway for you. I haven't done one of these in a while, so I'm really excited for this one. If you haven't had a chance yet to leave a rating or review, this is why. You need to go over to iTunes right now. I'm giving away a copy of You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. What I love about this book is that it's just a no-nonsense way to read self-help. So head on over to iTunes, just open it up, and you can leave a rating and then a written review in the month of April or May, and I'll randomly pick a winner at the end of May to receive the book. So you have until May 31st to do this, but go ahead and just do it right now. Um, so ratings and reviews really help other alpha females find this podcast, and I'd be so thankful if you helped grow this community. So head on over there now, just pause this episode, go do it now while you're thinking about it, and then come back and listen to the latest chat. You are listening to the Alpha Female Podcast, episode 72. All links and show notes can be found at robinbaldwin.com forward slash podcast. Today on the show, we're talking to Sarah Vermont. Sarah is the founder of Careergasm and the author of Careergasm, Find Your Way to Feel Good Work. She helps people figure out what the heck they want so they can quit their jobs they hate and do work that they love. She writes about careers for Forbes, Fortune, Inc., and Entrepreneur. She lives in Toronto, and you can find her online at careergasm.com. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you, Robin. I'm super happy to be here. I'm so excited. Your your PR person reached out to me, and then it was actually serendipitous. I didn't tell you this before we jumped on, um, but my friends who were at your book launch posted the exact same day that the, your PR person emailed me. So I was like, okay, yep, got to have her on the show. <laughs> we were obviously meant to talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you first heard the definition of what I think an alpha female is, what did you think of it? And how do you define yourself as one? Ah, uh, okay. So your definition is so huge. It has like everything in there, right? Yeah, I just kept um, going. I'm like, and this, and this, and this. Oh my God, <laughs> right? We're all multifaceted. You just got to cram everything right in there. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I actually, I really love your definition. You know, you talk about power, which is amazing. Um, assertiveness, which I love. So often women have to apologize for being assertive. So I love that you've put it in there. Um, I love that you touch upon unapologetic ambition. Um, though truthfully, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with uh, ambition and striving. Sometimes I've gone a little too far and that's made me unhappy. Um, you know, I really do think a lot of us strive too much and sometimes we'd be happier if we did a little less, but by and large, ambition isn't a good thing, like most things, if you don't take it too far. Um, 
And I'm really glad that you, in your definition, also talk about women putting themselves first and that you put, you know, that little fill your cup part in your definition before the part about having more energy for other people. There's this pet peeve I have. Um, there's this analogy, you know, the analogy that talks about, you know, put on your air mask first so that you can serve other people. And that actually drives me crazy because it implies that putting on your mask is something you do as a, I don't know, as a means to the end of serving someone else. So I'm really all about putting yourself first, full stop, and not so that you can better serve others. And this is something that women do specifically. This is the messaging that women get specifically because we're able to say, you know, sure, I'll put on my own mask first, but it's only so I can serve other people. So I really love that you're all about right? Like it's a means to an end that drives me crazy. It's the nice girl thing, right? It's the nice girl thing that we're all required to do. That is such a new perspective because we actually kind of lump them all together. We usually talk, you know, like I usually say, it's just, um, and it's just a different analogy so that it speaks to someone in a different way right? So like fill your cup up first so you can pour it into somebody else's, put your oxygen mask on first. I also talk about like making sure you have gas in your Jeep so you can go. Um, and so, yeah. And see, I really like yeah. that one because so you can go, not <laughs> so you, so can, you go. can go and help other people. Right? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So I think there's this kind of like, um, we do love to serve and we love to be there, provide value for others. So there's kind of this nuance that has been prevalent in conversations where it's like, Yes, take care of yourself first so that you can be more for your family, be there for them, have more energy, all that stuff. But we haven't been like and unapolog we haven't been completely unapologetic about no, just take care of yourself first for you. <laughs> like yeah, for your health, for your longevity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. It's not something that people tell men, right? It's something we tell women. Mm-hmm. Because we're we're givers by nature. Um, and we're constantly trying to make sure that there is more of us to go around. And it's interesting in today's day and age, um, where, you know, we are trying to have the full-time jobs or, you know, create side hustle income on the side while being a full-time mommy. And we're still trying to do it all. And so it's like the, what was it, you know, um, fifties or sixties mentality where she like, uh, would bring home the bacon and fry it up in the pan at the same time. Uh, we're st- we're still trying to do that, even though we know that that's not possible and we actually can't do it. Um, that something has to give and take. And if we choose to fill our cup up first, just purely for us, then that is there's nothing nothing wrong with that. Amen. I love it. Thank you for putting that lens. Um, I'm really excited already. And we're just through the first question. So share with our listeners, what are you most passionate about? Um, I am really all about freedom. Um, I would say that's the driving mission behind my work. Um, I really want people to realize how free they are. Um, and the truth is I actually spent a lot of my life not realizing how free I was. Like most people, I was sort of on the hamster wheel, going through the motions, doing all the things that people should do. And when I sort of woke up to the fact that I had way more freedom than I had been sort of, um, living, then I also wanted to help other people do the same thing. When you talk about freedom, are you talking about time freedom or are you talking about 
All uh, freedom. freedom. Like so choice. time freedom is a big one. Um, obviously, because of the work I do, one of the main things I do is help people to realize how free they can be in terms of how they make a living and what they create and put out into the world through their work. Um, but also in terms of time, you know, up until very recently, I've actually had kind of a tortured relationship with time. I always made time the enemy and there were things I wanted to do. Like I'm hugely ambitious and there were all these things I wanted to do. And I sort of made it time's fault that I couldn't get to all of them, right? Because there's only so many hours in the day. And then I was just sort of like, okay, well, this isn't making you feel very free. What if you didn't make time the energy? What if time was a collaborator and you worked with time to create what you want? And that radically shifted things for me. And we're just talking like that just happened maybe like three, four months ago. And so I now have a much freer, more loving relationship with time. And essentially what that boils down to is not trying to cram too much stuff into too short amount of time because that strategy fails every time. Yeah, I think in today's day and age, you're seeing it everywhere on the interwebs to social media. Um, And I want to say it's very prevalent in the entrepreneurial and side hustler world. So in my world, I have to time block the heck out of my day just to be able to manage all my side passions along with the full-time job. Um, And it completely fills up my cup to be able to work. But if I don't time block and I don't actually schedule things, they don't get done. But if they don't get done, then I get mad at myself for not getting them done. So it's like this vicious cycle. Um, I know. So how did you, uh, like, what was your aha moment when you said like, okay, I need to stop fighting this process? Yeah, well, I was actually working with my own coach and like a spiritual teacher. And we just sort of like dove into this, you know, tortured relationship I have with time because, um, you know, she had me look into the areas of my life that weren't working for me and kept stalling and the areas where I kept getting frustrated. And a huge theme running through all of that was you're trying to do too much in too short of time or you're trying to rush things. And because we can't create more time, the solution was just to sort of change that relationship. And now that I have, um, things are going much better. I mean, it's, I haven't like, you know, snapped my fingers and changed it completely. It's still ups and downs because I'm wired a certain way and I want what I want when I want it. But um, when I remember that time isn't the enemy and when I remember that I should be working with time as a collaborator, things feel so much better. There's so much more ease and I'm way less hard on myself. Mm, I love that. I, um, I think I've shared on the podcast before that uh, when I moved uh, to Ottawa from Toronto to move in with my boyfriend, um, I remember he like challenged me to put all of the things that I do from like freelance writing to blogging to podcasting to writing my own book last year uh, starting a network marketing business to working full time. He's like, I need you to put everything on a spreadsheet. I need you to like figure out how much time you're spending on each, which ones are revenue producing and which ones just make you happy. Um, and something's gotta, something's gotta go. And I remember it was like a list of 20 things and I cut one thing. And even that, and even that one thing was like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to give it up. Um, And so like, 
I'm sitting here on like my, my little, you know, little place in the world. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Like, I don't know how to give up everything because something fills me up a different way or something is revenue producing. So it's just like, yeah, yeah. Who, who really has the answer to this problem? Um, so as we, as we go about building these empires, as I like to call them, um, we have done away with the word work-life balance because it does not exist. And, um, there's no way you can balance both work and life, but you just embrace, uh, your priorities, whatever you choose as your priorities, long, as long as you're happy and healthy going after them, then you've got work-life harmony. So what does your work-life harmony look like? Yeah. And I love that you're acknowledging that things aren't necessarily balanced because I totally subscribe to that philosophy too. Um, for me, work-life harmony looks like, well, actually it's kind of just what we were talking about. Fewer things, fiercer focus, and lots of time for work and play. Um, you know, I probably work about 30 hours a week and I create my days however I want. So what works for me is I love really um, focusing on one thing for like a long stretch of time. I don't like task switching. So, you know, when I created my business, I tried to like cram all the little bits of my business activities into one day. So I would get up and I would do some writing because I was a writer. Then I would do some administrative work and then I would work with clients. And <laughs> the truth is it actually takes me a while to get warmed up into any activity and to be really productive and like get flow. And it also takes me a long time to get out of the zone. And so task switching regularly actually made me feel really frustrated all the time. So work-life harmony for me now looks like one day a week where all I do is writing, couple, you know, three days a week where all I do is work with clients, another day a week where I work on odds and ends, and that feels so good. So, you know, that's what harmony feels like for me. Now, I'm assuming you used to work full-time in the corporate world. I did. Yeah. And even in that kind of experience, did you have trouble task switching during the day? Like I find, um, yeah. that in the corporate world, sometimes we're a slave to our emails and requests from others. And so, you know, we may want to plan for the day, like, okay, I'm really going to work on this project today. And then you get the barrage of emails coming in and you're like, crap, I have to switch to this. I have to switch to this. Um, and the word that comes to mind is frantic. A lot of the time, totally. uh, I think the, the tension and the stress that most people feel is that they don't actually have control of how they structure their day. They're at the mercy of managers um, or cross-reporting or whatnot. So I love that entrepreneurs can create um, this harmony where they do have fewer things on their plate because they're choosing their priorities again. So, yeah. And even people who are in a traditional nine to five, I, you know, I hear all sorts of people saying that they're also doing that in their own way. You know, of course there's going to be like the occasional meeting that they have to go to, but you know, some of my clients have decided to check email once in the morning and once in the afternoon so that they're not feeling so, to use your word, frantic and reactive all day. And it actually makes a huge impact. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's the age old Tim Ferriss, uh, 40 hour work week. He specifically, you know, set up an out of office that said, I, like, you know, I check my emails Monday and Thursdays, um, at this time. And, um, 
I guess it's like, if you have a work environment and you have that conversation with your boss and say, you know, this, I would like to do this, you know, if you need me, can you use, you know, inter-office messenger or the phone? <laughs> um, <laughs> or since you're in the office yeah, next to me, just, just like pop your head by. in. Yeah, yeah. Depends if you're in the same location or not, but I love that. And I've been teaching that, uh, I have a team of direct reports and we've, you know, we've had this task that has been on our plate for about six months. And I told them specifically that I don't want them to open their email first thing in the morning that I want them to, you know, block off an hour to get this thing, just like pick up their coffee, like sit down, feel like calm because they're going to attack this task and not have the world trying to change their focus. And they were, it was really, really hard for them to be like, we can do that. Are we allowed to, (laughs) are are you sure? Uh, but no, nobody else in the entire region, I I work in a regional position. Nobody else in the region is going to be able to get to us. I'm like, one hour will be fine. You will survive that hour. (laughs) So, so it's, um, it, it, like there are ways that, um, corporate, um, alpha females can implement this. It's just like having open, open communication with bosses, direct reports and all of that. So that everyone is aware of how you need to work to thrive. Yeah. Um, I love, I hear a lot of entrepreneurs who basically like, uh, I guess the, the term is also like batching. So like they'll batch, um, podcast interviews all in one day. Um, and then, you know, administrative tasks on one day. Although honestly, I don't think I could do an entire day of administrative tasks. But. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I have trouble with that too, but I am a batch writer actually. I'll batch writing for a whole day. And when I get it a whole week sometimes. Oh, I love that. How long did it take you to write your book? Um, off and on because I was running my business the whole time and working with clients, probably about two years. Um, just, just batching it, you know, an afternoon here and there, a week here and there, a day here and there. Very cool. I love it. Okay. So share with us a time when you actually subscribed to work-life balance and when it felt out of whack and what was an aha moment, um, that said like, "Mm, this needs to change. Yeah. Um, lots of those to choose from, you know, (laughs) (laughs) the, the, probably one of the biggest ones that comes to mind is, um, when I was working my first management job and doing a full-time master's degree and getting married all at the same time. Oh yeah, that could do it. Oh my God, that was just crazy pants. Um, I, and you know, not only was I working, you know, my first management job at the time, I was relocating my whole team. I was doubling my staff. I was doing training and development plus the master's degree. Plus, you know, the wedding was coming up and it was too much. So I was always working on one thing or the other. And although, you know, all the balls were were in the air and from the outside, I'm sure it looked really successful. I was really carrying around this stressful energy. Like, you ever been around someone and you can just feel the stress oozing off of them and, like, you don't really want to be in their vicinity? I was that person for, like, a couple years. And I'll tell you, that really negatively impacted my relationship. And we ended up getting divorced before we were even married for three years. So... I like, I mean, of course there were other things wrong with the marriage, but I was a big part of it. So there was a major aha there. And the aha was I am responsible for my own energy, both for myself and for the energy I bring to other people. Huge aha. And 
um, I'm really happy to say that's something I've worked on a lot. Um, still continuing to work on it, obviously, but you know, we all have our crazy, stressy days. But there's actually this thing called, you know, it's a scientific thing. It's scientifically validated. It's called emotional contagion. And as social animals, we actually catch each other's emotions like we would catch like a cold from somebody. So the energy that you bring to a room or a relationship or even to yourself and your own work um, really, really matters. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I have such a similar experience. I was um, engaged to be married in 2000 and our wedding was in 2012 and we called it off a month before and six months before that, um, uh, my ex fiance was dealing with a lot of, um, mental problems and depression and I was taking care of this human being and I would then go to work and I was stressed. I was worried because my relationship was falling apart. Our lives were falling apart. And I was horrible to be around. I was very, very short and very, very direct with an already direct personality. Um, and I was just trying to get things done. I didn't want to have conversations about like how somebody's weekend was or anything because my world was falling apart. Um, and I was actually let go from that position um, but basically a week after we had had uh, a very big scare in his life and my world fell apart. And I just realized it was like, not like not, none of this is working. And I also realized that like, I didn't like who I was showing up at work. I didn't, I didn't want to be that person. And every position after that, I've been very adamant, um, about explaining my personality. Um, and specifically if I'm ever going through any sort of stress, really watching how I show up in my tone of voice, uh, because I know I can fall into that trap of, uh, being too much, uh, of a direct personality. So, um, and then when I, but the, I had to go through that because now when I see it in other people, I recognize and can completely give empathy that there's something else going on there. Um, totally. that they're not showing up like this just because they want to, um, be that way, but there is something happening. Um, so I needed to go through that so that I could recognize that in others or I never, I would never have this type of empathy now. Yeah. And I mean, good for you for, you know, realizing the energy that you were, you know, bringing to the rest of your life. Right. I think that's, I think that's a huge, a huge victory. It feels like a victory for me to have realized it and shifted it. I think anyone who can do that, um, I think it's, I think it's a big win. Mm, awesome. So now as you are growing your new empire, how do you take care of yourself? So let's get into some nitty gritties and let's go first and foremost into how do you nourish yourself? Oh, I love this question. So I love this question because nourish is actually one of my words for this year. Oh, really? It's at the top of my list. Yeah, I oh, have awesome. I have four words that you know, I'm sort of like using as themes for what I want in my life and nourish is at the very top of the list. And I'll tell you why, because nourish has been at the bottom of my list for most of my life. And I just feel like I'm in a place where I'm just, I'm seeking to be nourished. I realize it's important to feel nourished and, um, you know, I'm thinking of nourish, not just in terms of like, you know, physically, but also emotionally and mentally and spiritually. Um, it's something I'm working on. I kind of feel like a newborn in this area. <laughs> like I definitely haven't nailed it yet. Um, 
so how do I nourish myself? Well, I'll tell you what's working. Um, this is going to sound so simple, but honestly, it's made a huge difference. Having enough water. Like I had no idea that actually drinking the right amount of water would make such a huge difference in how I feel. Um, and so I just keep like five, five mason jars in the fridge and I make sure I drink them every day. And like, it's super easy. I get few headaches. I have more energy. My skin is better. Um, I've also cut out coffee. I love coffee. But like digestively, like I have some issues no when I bueno. drink coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I'm kind of a rebel. So it's like I know certain things are bad for me. I also have a hard time with dairy and eggs. And so I know things like dairy, eggs, and coffee make me feel bad and sick. And yet I'm like, I don't care, man. Like I should be able to like have a latte if I want. Or I should be able to go for brunch every weekend. <laughs> and like – you don't win that battle, right? Like I'm going to feel shitty every single yeah. time. Your body's so, like, okay, you'll, you'll come to terms with the fact that you can't eat this eventually, but <laughs> we're just going to keep reminding you that you can't until you yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I've just started to gently shift, you know, how, how I'm choosing the things I put into my body. And, you know, one of the things I'm still really struggling with, to be honest with you is cooking. I hate cooking and I hate cooking for a few reasons. I am extremely impatient. And so the time it takes to cook food, especially when I'm already hungry, drives me crazy. Um, and, you know, this is because I usually wait until I'm hungry to start cooking. Like that's, that's not a winning formula. And so, you know, I'm like incredible Hulk in the kitchen. I feel all like stabby and rammy, but because I'm shifting my relationship with time, I've actually blocked time for cooking into my schedule. And, um, I know like when I'm supposed to cook so that I'm not ravenous before I start. And so, it's starting to shift a little bit. I still don't like cooking, to be totally honest, but I'm making some time for it and I feel better as a result. Mm, that's awesome. It sounds like you're just the perfect candidate for meal delivery services, which abounds in Toronto. Um, yeah. Yeah. But also can be pricey and not great for the pocketbook. Um, but there is another one, and I've actually never tried it because I am a, you know, a massive meal planner. Um, and meal prepper. Uh, but there is like a meal delivery service that actually just like provides you with everything chopped in advance and all the ingredients for a meal. And you just have to like put it together. And so like I, that has, that concept has always kind of been interesting to me because I'm like, Oh, that would be nice. I wouldn't have to do the actual planning, but I would still get to cook and like be in the kitchen. Uh, so I like that. Um, and I love that you keep five mason jars in your fridge. I just heard, um, and I think it was either on Shailene Johnson's podcast or Snapchat that she actually has purchased like four swell bottles and she fills them all up in the morning and keeps them in the fridge because she never knows. She's like, have I refilled this one? Have I, oh, I can't, yeah. I can't remember. So I love that like, you just like measure it out for the day instead of trying to like remember if you've refilled the mason jar or not. Yeah, exactly. There's no way I'm going to remember that. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay. So what does your weekly fitness routine look like? Okay. So I do not have one just like straight up, just keeping it real. Um, I hate going to the gym. So okay, when... wait, wait, let me, let me restart this. What is your weekly movement routine look like? Okay. So when, 
I, you know, this is something I've only changed probably in the last year or so. I've decided that when I move my body, I'm only going to do things I actually like. Like, so that I know that I hate the gym, so I'm not going to force myself to go to the gym. Instead, you know, I'm going to go for an epic walk. I'm going to go for a walk for like three or four hours, or I'm going to do restorative yoga, or I'm going to do yin yoga. Like, none of those things are like massive cardio burners, but they work for me. Um, And, you know, a lot of that stuff, truthfully, it's actually more about my mental health than my physical health for me. Um, one thing that's new for me is last winter I took a learning to run class just a couple of months ago and it running is something I've wanted to try for a couple of years now. And, you know, I used to see people running and I thought, oh my God, that just looks like freedom to me. Now I had to stop taking the class that I was taking because I injured my neck and I felt really kind of devastated that I couldn't keep taking it. Um, but I'm just starting to pick it up again. And, You know, it's interesting how, at least for me, well, not just for me, I think everybody does this. Sometimes the story inside your head is actually the problem. So I am about 50 pounds overweight. And so I always had this story saying, well, you're overweight, so you can't run. And then I took this learning to run class and I was like, oh my God, I can be overweight and I can still run. Like, this is amazing. And so a lot of it was just sort of like actually examining the story and trying something versus giving up on something before you've even given it a shot. Mm. And, um, I think what's important here is that we, we try to challenge ourselves to just do things. We push ourselves out of our comfort zones as alpha females, but because we are ambitious and going after all of these goals, uh, it's really hard to not be good at something. Um, and I, and I think that's kind of, uh, our ego getting in the way and being like, Oh, well, you're not good at this. So you shouldn't be doing it. And it's just like, no, like there's a reason why you've been drawn to it. There's a reason why you're doing it. Um, and no matter where you're at in your journey for that thing, like just embrace it. When I started obstacle course racing, um, I, I had this story in my head that like, I'm not an athlete. And still to this day, I just did, uh, an interview on a podcast for women of OCR, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and, and I was like, Oh, I'm not an athlete. Like I was a ballerina when I was little. And the host was like, I'm sorry, you did ballet for how long? Like you're an athlete. I was like, Oh, but I've never been like a sports athlete. (laughs) I even like diminished some of like my previous training. And, um, when I'm out on course, I had, I, I put a story in my head and I constantly say, you know, well, I had, I live with MS. And so if I'm having symptoms on course and I can't run as fast or I'm struggling, I'm like, well, you know, I have MS, so that's okay for that. Like, that's why I'm slow. That's why I can't keep up with like the rest of the elite runners, even though I'm still running in the elite wave. Like we, we always tell ourselves stories. We always diminish something, especially if we feel like we're not excelling at it or at the top of our game. Um, and it's such a struggle. Yeah, I know for me with the running thing, like I had to get okay with being the slowest person in the group who was running at the back. And I hated it. Like I hate I hate that I'm the slowest person in the group, but I'm still doing it. Mhm. That's awesome. And that's I think that's the message is just like just just keep doing it. Stop stop with the stories and just keep doing it. <laughs> Um, okay. So how do you wind down at night and reduce any stress that has built up during the day? 
Hmm. I actually don't have an evening routine. Um, we don't have Netflix. And so I feel like that's a major victory there because I think I would just be like sitting in front of the in front of the tube for hours watching stuff. Um, so, you know, sometimes I'll read in the evening, you know, I'll chat with my partner, Phil. Um, you know, we have pretty chill evenings, but what feels more important to me than the evening um, stress reduction routine is morning routine. And the idea of a morning routine is fairly new to me. I've only been doing it for a couple of months now, but like starting the day with not looking at my email first or not starting work right away. So like having some time, I'll even like light a candle, I'll do a little 10 minute meditation, you know, have like a hot beverage, just have like sit in some silence. That feels really good. And I find that even that short amount of time that I've devoted to myself in the morning impacts the rest of my day because I'm starting from like a more like a more centered, more grounded, less frantic place. Mm, I love it. I love that frantic and like less frantic is the theme of today's conversation. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, um, that's good. Um, okay, so uh, I don't know if we'll be still talking about frantic in this question, but I always ask my guests, what are some pain points of being an alpha female. So we usually like have something that we're constantly problem solving for, whether it's how people perceive our personalities, how we manage ourselves. Um, so what's one of your pain points that you're problem solving for right now? Yeah, well, nourishing myself properly is still something I'm working on. Um, you know, and again, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, so that's, it's something I'm working on, right? It's, I haven't nailed it yet. And it's one of my, one of my sort of conscious choices that I'm making this year. And I just, I want more of that, but because it's really new for me, like it's kind of a struggle, right? So that's, that's tricky for me. And, you know, I think this next thing is actually tied to that. And that is, Another thing I'm working on is being okay with doing less. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, I'm hugely ambitious and sometimes to a fault. I find that I've been shifting that for a few years now and I'm getting a lot better, but I have been wired a certain way for so long that it's taking some time to just be okay with slowing down, being okay with doing a little bit less, not having to have everything right now. And the reason I think that's tied to the nourishment thing is being okay with doing less is actually opening up some space and energy for nourishment. Oh, I like that. Yeah, because it's... um. I guess being ambitious and this unapologetic kind of alpha female way of saying like, I have all these goals and dreams. I'm going to go after them. I'm going to put myself first and I'm going to do all these things because I think the majority of us have tied success to achievement. Um, totally. And the more we achieve, the more successful we appear to be. And then health problems abound, relationships fall apart. And then we're like, Oh crap. Okay. This isn't working. So achievement and a success is not going to create a happy and healthy life. So I love that you're yeah. making, I love that you're making space. Um, and I think therapists everywhere are like, please, please talk about this more because, um, <laughs> I, um, I have this like, um, 
little sinking feeling that there are so many alpha females out there going like, I don't know how, because like my success and my, my worth is so much tied to who I am in this world and how people perceive me. Um, yeah, it's kind of that double-edged sword, right? There's a whole chapter um, in my book called Enlightened Ambition. And this is like thinking of ambition in a more enlightened way, like is just something that I started doing a couple of years ago and it's changed everything. And basically it means looking at your goals to see if they're aligned with what you actually want. And for those of us alpha females who are super ambitious, very often we're so used to the chase that we don't spend enough time examining um, to see if the things that we go after are aligned with what we actually want. It's more, it's more about, you know, I'll raise my hand here too. It's more about proving that you can do it or doing something because you know, you can do it or knowing that it would be totally badass. but like, is it aligned? And I think that's a question we should ask more often. Mm, I have two, um, podcast guests, Natalie McNeil came on as well as Diana house, amazing entrepreneurs in their own right. And both of them, uh, wanted me to add to the definition. I was like, I can't add any more ladies. Um, but they both said like, really, I'm an alpha female because I am so aligned with my purpose and my priorities. Um, and sometimes we, you know, we're, we can be the Marie Forleo multi-passionate, um, entrepreneur putting our hands in every single bucket that we can. And there's a reason for that as we, you know, develop our why in this world and find purpose. Uh, but then at, at that point where you do find it, it's like, okay, now, now you've really got to learn to take your hand out of all of the pots. Yeah. Um, so I love that you're in that space. I love that you, uh, as you learn, you're teaching it. I think that's so important um, in our world. And um, I'm so thankful for your time on the show. So as we go about being alpha females and staying um, healthy, the last part of that definition is staying happy, is staying happy as well. So share with our listeners, what is your definition of happiness? Hmm. Well, I, first of all, I like this question. I like that you're asking about happiness and not success because as a career coach, I get it last about success a lot. And I think happiness is way more important. Um, I think for me, happiness is knowing what you want and, you know, as opposed to what you think you should want and going after that in a really aligned, highly focused way. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much for your time today and coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Robin. It's been fun. For the listeners of the Alpha Female Podcast, Audible is now offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you can check out their service. There's some amazing books like You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero or The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash alpha. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash alpha for your free audiobook. I've alluded to in the past how I use essential oils in my life to uplevel my health. They're just basically a tool in my healthcare tool belt. If you're confused about how to use essential oils and you have no idea how to incorporate them in your life, I want to provide you with my top 10 ways to use essential oils cheat sheet. 
So head on over to bit.ly forward slash oil cheat sheet. That's bit.ly forward slash oil cheat sheet. O-I-L-C-H-E-A-T-S-H-E-E-T to get your free copy now. Thank you for listening to the Alpha Female Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. And I would love you to eternity and back if you would be so kind to open your podcast app of choice. Go do it now before changing to the next episode. And just leave me a rating and review. It'll help other alpha females find this podcast and join in on the conversations. You can find more of me at robinbaldwin.com and join us next week for another inspiring chat. Have a spectacular day.